Life is bonkers. It always has been. I mean, at least since page three of the Bible. And it always will be until the glorious day that Jesus comes back and his kingdom breaks through finally and forever. But for now, life is bonkers. Relationships, the news, death. I don't need to give you the whole list. You're living a life right now, too, so you know it all too well. It's really hard to know what to do with my time sometimes. I mean, you and I both have 24 hours a day. How am I supposed to live this life that's bonkers? <laughs> you and I have very different obligations that require more and less of those 24 hours. The things we enjoy, the things we want to do, have to do, heck, even the amount of sleep we both require is different. I'm an eight to nine hour kind of lady, turns out. I have two kids, so that's a big part of my 24 hours. They're a little older now, four and six, but when they were zero and one or one and two and so on, it was just hard. I felt like a horrible Christian. My friends were reading their Bibles, like with their eyes, and they didn't instantaneously fall asleep every time they tried to read it. And they were praying again without falling asleep <laughs> or just praying for sleep over and over and over again. Anybody else go through that? <laughs> I was having coffee once with a friend who has five boys, and at the time they were like maybe ages five to 17, and she started a story by saying, the other day I was journaling, and blah, blah. yeah, I didn't hear another word she said, because honestly, I could only think about how does she have any time at all to journal. She finished her probably very wise and insightful story, and all I could respond with was, sorry, Heather, what? When do you journal? I felt jealous of her and in awe of her and sad for myself and just confused at how badly I was mismanaging my time. Seriously, how could I even add journaling to my day? And then I saw an illustration that actually changed my thoughts on all of this. So there's this kid's Bible app that we love. I'll link it in the description. I think it's called Bible for Kids or something. <laughs> And there's a story in it called God Makes a Way. It's about the time that God brought like a million slaves out of Egypt so that they could be free and live a good life, loving and serving him. And in this kid's Bible, there's an illustration of this mass of people leaving their crippling, oppressive misery. And they're finally leaving years of horrible slavery, off to live with the God of the universe who has freed them and is offering them life after such misery. And in this picture, you see many people and animals and, of course, Moses, who's leading them, and a toddler. And this particular toddler is walking off. He's, he's leaving the exodus. Like, buddy, come on. We have one job right now. It's to follow God because otherwise we're seriously toast because the Egyptians are coming right now. We're all about to die. And you're walking off? And then you see his mom. What is she doing? Is she following God? Is she doing this exodus thing? Are her eyes glued to her salvation? No, she's chasing after her toddler to bring him back. She's taking care of her child. And man, this image gets me every time. As a woman, as a mother, as a sibling, as a daughter, I was, and I still am at times for sure, so, so worried that I'm not doing enough, especially when I had tiny kids at home. I was worried that I wasn't doing enough for God or for my husband or my kids. And especially when I was changing diapers and trying desperately to decrypt the instructions my toddlers were giving me about the exact shape of the Play-Doh that they wanted me to make, but all they would say is around around. I was thinking, am I even doing anything meaningful right now? This was always my question. 
and maybe not so explicitly, but the guilt I felt at the end of the day certainly indicated that I thought, no, I'm not doing anything meaningful. I didn't do anything today. Or I didn't spend any time with God. Or wow, I didn't even pray once rather than just because I was so exhausted. What kind of thankful, cheerful, worshipful heart do I have? What a mess. But by God's infinite grace, I got to see this illustration of a mother chasing her toddler while she was obeying God and leaving Egypt to go to the promised land. There are two Bible verses specifically that have helped me reconcile the messy messiness things seem to be with the messy holiness that they truly are. The first is from Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. Jesus is talking to uh, some people and he says, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And the second one is actually the first paragraph of chapter 13 in 1 Corinthians. Paul says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but I have not love, I gain nothing." There is so much packed into the stories behind these two spots I just talked about, but here's what really hits my heart. If you, if I do all the religious-y things, if I successfully read the Bible every day for year after year after year, and I memorize all the verses, and I recite all the prayers, and I sin less and less and less, but I do not at all have a heart that cherishes God, or if I don't have a heart that loves others... If I don't love the people around me, look, I'm not even talking about evangelism here. I'm literally just talking about the two tiny humans that I take care of day after day. If I don't have love, I've lost everything. Should I read my Bible and meditate and pray and go to church? Yes, obviously. But let's not pretend like there aren't seasons of life where your 24 hours of the day aren't full of real life obligations that are exhausting in every way and taxing in a thousand more ways. New moms, should you treasure scripture? Yes, you must. You will suffer greatly if your eyes are not set on the things above. But that doesn't mean that you sit silently for hours on end in quiet meditation, journaling and listening to music and reading in-depth books about theology. It's going to look different. Okay, so let's read the Shema and just listen when I read it for all of the action verbs. Okay, here goes. This is from Deuteronomy Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they will be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Teach, talk, sit, walk, lie down. Yes, God is all about rest. Rise, bind them on your hands, and between your eyes, write them out. These are the things that we do every day. We sit, we talk, we lie down. We are looking at things, we're touching things all day long. These are the places where we are to love God. We love God 
as we do other things. Should you sit and read and meditate and memorize and journal? Yes, but never at the expense of one loving God and two loving others. The Lord wants your heart above all else, not your hours, not your memory work, not your jobs you do throughout the day. He wants your heart. So how do you do that? You don't have extra minutes laying around just looking for something to do. But you know that you want to love God. You know you want to love others. How do I do it? You ask God for a heart that loves him. You ask him and you pray and you wait and you listen. You ask for wisdom. The Lord gives generously to all who ask for wisdom. You ask for a new heart that loves him. He is the great new heart maker. You cast all your burdens. No, all of them. Actually, all of them. You put all of them on him because he cares for you. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. There is a place where peace and tenderness reign, even in the midst of chaos. God can bring peace and joy and calm even into that. Ask the God of the Bible to show it to you. Because he will. Because he cares for you. Did you know that hosting a podcast costs money? It's not much, but it does add up. So I'm looking for five people who can commit to $3 a month or more over on my Patreon site. With each level of monthly membership, there's a special bonus to say thank you. The link is in the show notes to go on over to Patreon and support there. Thank you for listening to Bike Chats with an Expat. I'm Lacey, an expat. I live in Japan with my husband and two kids. When we first moved here, I would use my short morning commute on my bicycle to call friends and family back home. It was so good for my soul, and now I want to share that time with you. But maybe not on my bike because that's a little windy. Bless the souls and the ears of the folks that I called all those mornings. <laughs> all right, I'll see you next time. 